0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. No matter where you are in the world, I'd like to welcome you back to another episode of Whose World Is This? with Junior Renee Bobrun. If you're a first-time listener, I'd like to welcome you to this ongoing conversation that is now in its 96th episode. Uh, if you're a returning listener, or 97th episode, I think it is. If you're a returning listener, welcome back to this ongoing conversation. And thank you for giving me your continuous Partial attention uh, or uh, divided attention, as I like to call it. Um, thank you guys. And I appreciate the donations. I appreciate you guys donating to our Cash App, which is dollar sign J U N B E A U. That's dollar sign June Bo. Our Venmo is also June Bo. That's J U N B E A U. Our Zell is my first and last name at Gmail, which is junyabobrun at Gmail. That's J-U-N-Y-A-B-E-A-U-B-R-U-N at gmail.com. No amount is too small. No amount is too large. However much that Zelle or Cash App can take, we will take it and we will put it to good use. We'll put it to this show and other endeavors related to this media conglomerate that we're looking to build here. Um... And that's very, very important because this, I feel the thing that we're doing here, I find it to be important. I find it to be important that we've gotten to 96 or 97 episodes in It means there's a there's a level of consistency going on. This has been going on for a full more than a full year. I started this in February of 2021 and here we are in uh, uh, June of 2022. So there's a consistency here. And, and what you do consistently is who you are. That's who you are, whether you like it or not. And I've been doing this. This is the most consistent thing besides my relationship with my woman and, you know, my family. This is the most consistent thing in my life. I've, I've started other business endeavors. I've started one, stopped another one, pivoted from one, parted ways with another. There are a lot of things in my life that are not as consistent as this ongoing conversation. And I'm realizing that. And as we approach the 100th episode and things of that nature, um, that's why now more than ever, I've been more consistent about, you know, sh- rattling my tin cup because I've had friends and people and business associates say, hey, June, you're on to something with this thing of yours. Don't be afraid. Get comfortable saying, hey, listen. We need some funds to keep this going. Don't be afraid to, you know, to have a fundraiser and things of that nature. And um, I'm not I'm not because I realize uh, the older I get, or I would say the more experiences I garner, I realize that certain professions and certain things just just aren't for me. It's very and you, I guess you guys can tell by the way I'm th- I think, that it's hard to put all of this in a box and put it in a cubicle sometimes. It's not that easy. I've done it. I've worked in marketing. I've worked in customer service. I've worked in hospitality management. I've worked as an educator. I've been in, I've worn many, many hats. But I'm realizing more and more that it's, it's becoming increasingly difficult to just just take little pieces of me for an employer to just say, hey, June, just do this specific amount of duties, and that's who you are. It's becoming increasingly difficult to be be that person. It's almost impossible. I'm at the point now where I feel that I'm either going to enter in my full renaissance or there's no other option, as a matter of fact. The full renaissance of me, where I'm utilizing all of my gifts and tools, and that's going to take independent money. That's going to take investor money. That's going to take people who believe in the things that I'm doing and believe in me and and my ability to execute these visions, investing in this. That's what this is about. So I'm going to start rattling my tin cup a bit more because I don't think there's any turning back. It's going to be another kind of life. It's not going to be the kind of life that you can apply for on Indeed. There's no box for where I'm going. <clears throat> I'm literally creating it as I go. And this is one of the things that I'm creating this, this platform for us to be able to speak. And I want to expand it into other mediums. You'll see, because you're going to be a part of it. So I may have to start GoFundMes and Patreons and all that good stuff and link you to that stuff because to keep these things going, to keep free thought going, unfortunately, it ain't free, right? Someone writes a book, got the time they put in, the paper, the publisher, get it on a shelf, ship it, etc. That's what it is. So, unfortunately, it ain't free. Best things in life are not free. <laughs> Just saying. But in any case, um, moving on from that, thank you guys. And if you guys have any questions, concerns, suggestions, kudos, critiques, sponsorship opportunities, investor opportunities, anything, please feel free to uh, follow us on Instagram and you can send me a direct message at Whose World Is This 2021. That is Whose World Is This 2021. Whose is W-H-O-S-E. So whose world is this? Or you can decide to email me if you want to email me a more formal um, boilerplate or f- if you have any sort of formal applications or forms, things like that, NDAs. If you want to do any interviews, things of that nature, please feel free to email me at whoseworldisthis one at gmail.com. That's whoseworldisthis, the number two and the number one at gmail.com. Please feel free. And don't forget chavezhouse.com. Chavez, that's Chavez with an S, -S, C-H-A-V-E-S, house.com. Check them out for your decorative books. Check them out for your uh, fitness journals. Check them out for your gratitude journal. Check them out for your how to become a successful self-publisher blueprint, which was number one in its genre last year around this time. So please go there and support. If uh, the links aren't working on the site, which they should be, Feel free to go to Amazon and put in Chavez House Publishing and all works that were created by Lenore Batista are exclusive of Chavez House. They are our number one sponsor at the moment. Please feel free to check them out. Buy as much as your wallets can endure. I thank you, guys. So last episode. We were speaking about the World Wide Web or the Wild Wild Web. And just in case you guys didn't have that information available to you, I sort of outlined in a particular article what the um, executives at Silicon Valley, not just the executives at Silicon Valley, the engineers who created the like buttons, the design, the social media sphere that most of us are in. And I quoted them directly from an article. OK, that spoke directly about the things that the 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 the, the links and the measures that they've taken to, to try to wean themselves off of social media. Grown ups graduated from what, what is considered to be the best schools in the world, making the most money that anyone can dream of. Smart, smart young people in their 30s and their 40s are asking their assistance, please please put parental controls on my phone so I don't have access to this, that, and the third because I don't have the wherewithal of the, I'm sorry, not the wherewithal, the fortitude to do it myself. This is fascinating. So that was the adults. I wanted to give you guys a brief because we've been speaking about what's going on with these babies. I I was just reading something online that uh, there's a board of governors that's going to meet to try to figure out how to prevent mass shooting, mass shootings. I like that. I like the convening of minds to get together. And I'm hoping in the room are social media people from that world, people from the social media world, the engineers, the electron, the, 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 the the technological engineers. And these people are also social engineers because I got into it. I, I told you, behavioral psychologists from Stanford and Oxford were all in on how to manipulate people into staying on particular things, buying products over and over again and things of that nature. We went into it in the last episode. Feel free to check it out. And um, so if those governors, if that convention of governors, I hope they're going to do more than just be some, you know, just some rubber stamped, uh, a coalition that's just trying to ban guns, disarmament protocol, execute disarmament protocol. Like, I hope that's not what it is. I hope it's truly social scientists, behavioral psychologists, all the people that created the social engineering that we are in now, the engineers and the social engineers that are a part complicit, responsible, accountable, culpable, they should get the accolades and the acknowledgement for something that they built, and also they should they should also own up to certain quote unquote unintended consequences. I hope they're at the table with with everyone else. I hope it's not just a matter of okay, did the cops respond on time or do we do we arm teachers, et cetera et cetera, because last episode, I spoke about the fact the ultimate irony is the majority of the parents in Silicon Valley send their kids to tech-free schools. That's the irony. Schools that don't have any technology. As, the, as a matter of fact, they went, they're going all the way analog. Chalkboards, they, that real white chalk, cough, cough chalk. Back to pencils, back to paper, back to, back to chalkboards, blackboards in Silicon Valley I'd like to tell you I'd like to show you a stat um uh yeah these schools I think one of them is the Montessori the other one is the Waldorf school from kindergarten through 8th grade the tuition on average for these schools out there in Silicon Valley is $17,000 per year kindergarten through 8th grade and then For the four years of high school, it's 24 G's per year. 24,000 American dollars a year for high school. So you're going to spend $17,000 a year from K through eight. And then you're going to spend another $24,000 per year. From 11th, from a ninth grade to 12th grade. Now, do you need me to add up? How much money that is? It's almost $200,000. It is about $200,000. Okay? More than $200,000 just to get your kid to college. So if the people who created this matrix that we're living in are not using this as the very same technology that we all are, and they're sending their kids to schools that have no technology. And I remember there was the great digital divide years ago where people were saying, oh, inner city kids, they're poor and they don't, have any, um, they don't have any Internet. You know, there's a big digital divide. You know, the kids in affluent neighborhoods have Internet and Wi-Fi and et cetera. And the kids over here don't. And we have to find a way. So now, you know, guess what? So many schools in the inner city now decided to get all plugged up but then a little thing happened. They started to find out that this generation was, there was a, a, a documentary, I think it was called Screen Agers, you know, teenagers that are addicted to the screen. They were showing that when schools uh, uh, started giving out mandatory laptops and things like that, there was a dip in math and English scores almost immediately upon introduction of the technology. Some schools started pulling back. So this great digital divide is interesting because now it's flipped around. It went from, you know the, the the narrative being ah these these poor students in the poorer neighborhoods don't have computers but yet everyone else does and they're going to be left behind in the digital era and et cetera et cetera and now it's flipped around now affluent parents are taking they're putting their kids into tech free schools that cost as much as state run universities. There's certain universities that are at $24,000 a year. As a matter of fact, my school, St. John's University, prestigious Catholic private school located in New York City. When I went a couple of years back, it was 38, thir- It was $30,000 a year. $30,000 a year. And you're telling me a high school, a regular high school is 24 G's, $25,000 per year, not including books and everything else. Well, okay, that's where we are. So, that begs the question. I've been saying it, and I know there have been people who've been listening that have been dismissing what I'm saying as saying, Well, June, you know it's not that bad, it's not that serious, it's not that deep. If you have these parents, and I'm gonna read you something from an article. It's an article, I think it's uh the author of the article or the journalist is Jacob Bain Bainham. Bainham. And um, he writes about important lessons he learned from raising humans in a digital world. So if you guys want to check it out online, please feel free, Mr. Jacob Bainham. And I'm going to parcel out certain bits like I did the last episode f- directly from this article. <clears throat> and he's speaking about, you know, we used to, I used to call them zennials, but that's not really the proper name for this generation. The proper name for the generation coming up between the ages of five years old and 22 years old, they're iGen. It's the internet generation. So, between they were born, just about 74 million Americans that are born between 1995 and 2012. Okay? So, one out of four Americans from age five to 22 have been dubbed the iGen. Okay? So, listen to the numbers of the iGen. Between the ages of 13 and 17, according to Nielsen, the average teenager now sends 3,000 plus texts per month. Teen females send 4,000 texts per month, while male, uh, male, teen males send 2,500 texts per month, which leads to, which divides down to a total of about 100 texts per day, 110 texts per day. OK, so just wanted to give you an opportunity to really show you how much overload and how much you when your kids are entering into their teen years, how much overload they have of information if they're sending one hundred and ten texts per day. OK. So that that documentary screen ages, I kind of uh, I, I've taken a quick look at it. If you guys have a moment, take a look at it. So in the article, it says in two thousand seven. Bill Gates, the former CEO of Microsoft, implemented a cap on screen time when his daughter started developing an unhealthy attachment to a video game. He also didn't let his kids get cell phones until they turned 14. Today, the average age for a child getting their first phone is 10. So it's interesting that they're saying wait till eighth, wait until the eighth grade, wait until the eighth grade. Why? Because. 13, 14 is about eighth, ninth grade, <clears throat> right? Eighth grade, you're about in this country, in the, in the United States, if you're an eight, the average eighth grader is between the ages of 12 and 14 years old, okay? Depending on where they were born and however they're, whatever month they're born in, how it falls on the school year, they kind of depends on sometimes what grade they go into. So you can be between 12 and 14 years old and be an eighth grader. So when he, so when I see Bill Gates, who starting his company had access to all the behavioral psychologists, all the social scientists, all the social engineers, all the thinkers and thought leaders, and this man, who's as researched as an, in, an individual that we have, he decided that 14 was the age. That's not an arbitrary number. There's a reason for that. We'll continue on. So... It's interesting to think that in a modern public school where kids are being required to use electronic devices like iPads, Steve Jobs' kids and Bill Gates' kids would be some of the only kids opting out. That's very interesting. So all of these new Brightwork schools and these low-tech schools, or what are they calling them now, the Waldorf School, the Montessori School, where all the politicians are sending their kids, where all the... uh, social engineers and the entrepreneurs of the universe that we're in right now, this is where they're sending their kids. So while we're talking about STEM and, and science and technology and engineering and math and the arts and things like that, yeah, the, they're finding a way to teach that um, with pen and pad, with, 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 with chalk and pencils. While everybody's saying all of our kids need to learn to code, I think it's more important that our kids need to learn to think. And we're going to get to that. We'll continue on. So now in this article, it says that adults are culpable on some levels. Parents whine about how much time their children spend on social media. But many of these parents introduced their children to social media when they posted the first pictures of them online moments after they were born. Before a child turns five, parents will have posted an average of 1500 images of them on social media without their permission. So it can make sense and stand to reason that our kids will obsess over their digital personas when we've been crafting those personas for them from day one. That's not to mention all the times busy parents put their children in front of screens so they can cook dinner or make a phone call. Today, 42% of U.S. kids under age eight have their own tablet. 42% of U.S. kids under the age of eight have their own tablets phones have become digital pacifiers for infants and 70 per 77% of children under age 2 use mobile devices every single day we don't know how mu- much about the effect of this <clears throat> early screen time yes certainly some apps and television programs are educational but early childhood development happens best through sensory experiences and human engagement in the real three-dimensional world. And the more parents can facilitate that, the better the child. What have I been talking about? This article, I don't know how old this article is. Let me see. I don't know. I've just been going down this rabbit hole because it's pretty much cementing a lot of the things that I've been speaking about. And I don't know if it's an older article or a new one. I don't know. But what I am saying is, this is a very important sentence. The sentence right here, where it says, early childhood development happens best through sensory experiences and human engagement in the real three-dimensional world. This is a real thing. 77% of children under age two use mobile devices every single day. I know this. I, I... Most of the babies I know, well, babies I know, I don't hang out with babies. I have friends who have kids now and their kids are young because they're young and their kids are young. So whatever. Kids know the cell phone. I, I told you a story. I put my phone down for a moment. My little nephew snatched it. He wasn't three yet. He snatched my phone. He got on YouTube, and and my phone wasn't on YouTube at the time. I have multiple apps on my phone. I have a big iPhone. He went, he clicked, he got on YouTube, and I only left him alone. I didn't leave him alone. He was literally sitting on the couch on my right side. My brother was on my left side. And I turned around for a couple of minutes to speak to my brother. I knew Max had my phone. He snatched it from from the couch. I had it on the couch, and I just said, Max, be careful. I, that's what I said. And he just smiled at me. And then when I turned back around, Max had found some Russian dude who was singing and dancing and putting masks on. And I turn around and I hear music coming from my phone. I'm like, what the hell? Yo, who? Well, how did you do that? And he's just looking at me smiling. And I go, but Max, how did you get to that? And he's just looking at me because obviously he's like he's less than three years old. He's not really speaking. He's like two. And he's looking at me. He's just grinning. And I start laughing. And I said, can I have my phone back? And he gave it back to me and I looked at my brother. I said, dude, these kids are plugged in. So this is the first generation that's born plugged in, finding things that are not on my, they're not even on my algorithm. How did you find that little one? How did you find that? That's not, I'm not looking up these little, this, these, these children shows on my phone, I'm not doing that. How did you find it? this little dude found it on his own on what's supposed to be a very complicated piece of technology, but they're plugged in. So they go on to say in this article. Nowadays, this is very important, people, and I've spoken about this in several episodes in the past. Nowadays, when teenagers are doing their homework, they're almost always simultaneously doing something else like attending to Instagram, Snapchat, text messages. Teens today operate in a state of continuous partial attention, toggling back and forth between social media, schoolwork and online relationships. This distracts them from learning and takes a physical toll as well. All that stooping over a phone has created a chiropractic condition called text neck, which can lead to incremental loss in the curve of the spine. I went to a barbecue a couple years ago. Uh, it was a, uh, my uh, fiance was one of the companies she was working for, had a company barbecue. So people were allowed to bring their kids and all of that. So me, my fiance went, I was there for the free ribs and lemonade. And so I go, we go there and a lot of people have kids and whatever teens, preteens, adolescents, I guess I would say it was from kids were about, you know, older executives were there. So kids were about like two years old to about 15 right, or old, about maybe 17. All every, It was high school and under, let's just put it that way. Jeez, June, I didn't have to use so many words. High school and under. And it's a real sunny day. South Florida, beautiful park. Corporate, I mean, company barbecue, meaning the food is good. Everyone chipped in. I mean, every anything you wanted to eat or drink was there, awesome. Every single last kid was stooped over looking at a tablet or a phone. And there were at least 20 kids there. Every single last one of them. This is a beautiful park. Part of it is sand. Part of it is grass. They have a volleyball net. They have everything out there. And every ball you need is there. There's a football. Um, I think one of the dads brought footballs, baseball. Soccer balls, volleyballs, everything in a big bag, big whole bag of, you know, stuff to play with. And guess what? No one, not one kid was enjoying it. Not one child. Everyone was stooped over their necks. Their their phones were by their waists, holding it down. And their heads were all the way down stooped. I'll never forget. Mike, my little nephew is a very engaging, very dynamic, very gregarious character. He's just a bundle, a spark of energy. He walks into a room as ha ah, and he'll literally do that—just start roaring. He's he's hilarious. I'll never forget one of his birthday parties. There was a barbecue at a park, and um, you could see him trying to engage with all the other kids. Cause he'll he he was I was a little bit I was more shy than than my nephew is. My brother. You know, he, my my nephew was a chip off the old block. My brother went at his age, at four, five, six years old, at his son's age, was very out there, was very like, hey, play with me. Me, I wouldn't do that. I would watch you play. If you invited me to play, I'd play with you, but I wouldn't step over. My brother and his son, my, my nephew will walk up on you and be like, I want to play, and he'll play with you. So Max is sitting, uh, looking around at all these little kids and he's like, and some of them are older than him and he's not intimidated and everyone is looking at their phone. And I saw his shoulders just slump because all Max wants to do is run. He wants to run and tumble as fast as he possibly can. That's all he wants to do is just hit full, full speed, six gear. That's all he wants. He wants to hit six speeds on, 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 like a, like a 911 Porsche. And I was watching him looking for someone to play with in a park full of kids and everyone was stooped down having text neck and it broke my heart so when i saw that i went to play with him and he we we have a great relationship so i was like hey max you want to play soccer oh yeah uncle got a soccer ball so me i'm now i'm running around sweating instead of enjoying my beer and my chicken barbecue chicken i gotta run and play with the kid because he's a he's a kid he wants to if you don't, this little time in your life is precious. That time and spending it in a screen, spending it in a tablet is a waste of a childhood, is a waste of the experiences. I remember sitting around with a magnifying glass in my backyard and that was more wondrous than anything you can see on a ta- on a, on, a, on a screen. My backyard in Queens, I'd have a magnifying glass and just looking at bugs like, whoa, this, we have a jungle in our backyard in Queens. What's going on back here? It was a whole other world. And, and, and you don't get to see those worlds if you're not using what they call here a th- the three-dimensional world. That spatial world where you get to really utilize your sensory. Your sensory. So, you have par- continuous partial attention. Because they're doing their homework while they're Instagramming and Snapchatting and texting, which I do. I get bored watching something or or I'm reading something sometimes when I'm studying something unpleasant. And I found this happening over the last two, three years. I'll study something that's not to my liking and it may take a bit more brain equity and mental intellectual equity to get through it. And I'll take a break and I'll I'll reach for my phone. I'm not reaching to stretch or maybe get some air or get some clarity and regroup and refresh. No, I reach. Instead of refreshing and regrouping, I'm relocating and reaching for my phone to distract me. And you watch one video, and then you'll watch another, and it's not going to help you. So in any case, listen. The article goes on to say that social media has been associated with high levels of depression, anxiety and fear. A UK study found out that subtle pressure to garner likes, friends and followers on social media leads middle school children to become overly dependent on this form of social validation. So what's interesting is. The amount of time that children are spending in screen with screens, it is the filter bubble they unwittingly create for themselves. When children give up their private information on social media apps and through their search in history, the internet decides what they want to see and feeds it right back to them. Suddenly, information becomes less objective. You guys forget that we are all I don't want to call ourselves victims of the algorithm, but when you're a kid and you're looking up certain things, guess what? Those things are going to be the things that become more available to you. So you're going to get less information about things that are outside of what you've been searching for to give you a wider range of ideas and a wider range of things to explore and choose from. So that becomes your world because the algorithm is going to keep feeding you what you keep giving it. So even when you're not searching for something, it's gonna lead you down that via your TikTok, your Snapchat, your Instagram, your YouTube, whatever things come up on banners. It's gonna be from your last search and you're gonna keep, clip, gonna keep going back to that. So you get fed back into a loop of your own creation vis-a-vis the algorithm. So are you really getting smarter if you're just getting fed back the same information over and over again? Continue on. So there are certain key components about I Jenners, and here's a lot of key things that they've been parceling out about I Jenners. First off, not all that not all of them are interested in getting driver's licenses right away. One out of four I Jenners do not have a license by the time they graduate high school. When I was growing up, getting your driver's license was a, was a form of independence. That's why even till today, my driver's license renewal is my birthday. Because when I turned 16, I got my learner's permit. When I turned 17, on my birthday, I went to the DMV and got my, uh, my uh, uh, junior's license, my junior license. And on my 18th birthday, went and got my driver's license. Like, I wasn't playing games because I lived in New York City. Granted, I had the trains and the buses and the this and the that. But the idea of getting your own car or being able to drive my mom's car and go where I wanted to go was like, whoa. But in this day and age, you have Uber. You have Lyft. Things of that nature, kids can just go up in a car and be like, hey, I don't necessarily need a car. I just need money on my Uber account. Just whatever card I have on the Uber, that's what I need. Very interesting. So when I read that, I thought that was quite interesting. In any case, they're not interested in getting driver's licenses right away. They are less interested in face-to-face contact with others, preferring instead to connect via smartphone less interested in reading books, magazines, or newspapers, spending more time playing computer games, less, ex- less experienced in having an after-school or summer job and earning money while in high school. They feel more depressed than others in prior generations. They feel lonelier and not needed. They're susceptible to higher suicide rates, and they've been more super supervised and protected while growing up. And they spend a copious amount of time using social media and smartphones, sometimes well into the early hours in the morning. Okay? So people, when we were speaking about all of these things early on, this wasn't just going off of the top of the dome, you know, there's a movement, it's called Wait Until 8th, which urges parents to wait until 8th grade before giving their kids a smartphone. To stay in touch with their 11-year-old, you can give them a flip phone. By age 13, they'll be wiser about what they post and how will it affect them and others. With any luck, they will also have cultivated qualities of good online and offline citizenship. These are the things that people are putting in place now. You know, um, you have people that are asking their seventh-grade students to commit to 24-hour technology fasts, which certain students have been pushing back on. You know, use the time to compose uh, a list of, of 100 non-screen-related activities. Post the list on the fridge and consult it when you feel. This, the, these are the little things that you're going to have to put in place now as parents raising children in the digital age, because many of the parents are addicted to their phones as well. It's new for us as well. It's not just them, but we, many of us who've grown up sort of in an analog world and we didn't go digital till later, maybe past our 18th birthday or whatever, we're better equipped because we had to go to work and school analog. Sometimes we didn't, couldn't afford a phone. There wasn't any unlimited, incoming, and outgoing. So, you know, phones were sort of prohibitive because of the cost of the call and the cost of the phone. So we didn't have one. We still had the home phone. We still had a home line. Some of us remember a world where there was a home phone. Now, is there a home phone? Most of these, most people, you get an apartment, you get a house, everyone has their own phone. No one answers the landline. That's not the family line anymore. The mom has a phone. The dad has a phone. The kids have phones. Everyone is in their own separate universes. So I we we still remember a time where the phone was not so ubiquit was not a, an appendage. So this idea of being a digital role model this is real. This is something that we're gonna have to deal with. Because, like we spoke about before, with trends and traditions, as stewards of this digital generation, we're not implementing a lot of the rules that our parents implemented with us. We're thinking that technology means progress. We're thinking, as parents, as as people coming into millennials and and, and younger Gen Xers and older millennials or millennials, we're, we want our kids to have things we didn't have, and then we have it, so we don't see that we don't we think it's innocuous. We think it's 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 just. You know, it's uh, malig- it's, not, it's not malignant. So we think, ah, uh, why not? Why not? Yeah, they can have a tablet at two, three years old. What is it doing there to their eyes, first and foremost? The colors and the amount of colors and things that are being used. And with the social engineers, I don't mean to be conspiratorial, but the social engineers and the people that work at getting you hooked. You live in a consumptive society. We spoke about it. Everyone that's making you something wants you to be addicted to their product. There's a reason why they inject sucrose and fructose into your bread. There's injections of sugar into your bread. There's certain breads that have fructose that's not supposed to be there. It's already a carb. It's already a starch. It's not supposed to be there. When you go to a fast food restaurant, the bread has sugar in it. Everything has sugar because sugar is addictive. There have been many people that have wanted, many scientists, many dietitians and nutritionists that have been wanting to to, that have advocated and have been pushing for sugar to be called a drug because it has so many addictive qualities to it. So much of the food you eat is just high fructose corn syrup. At its core, it's just sugar. That's it. Everything else they, they they inject it into the meat. They inject it into the bread. They inject it into the into the fruit, everything. And so you don't know what they're injecting into the program, injecting into the websites, injecting into the cartoons, the color schemes, because they want that child coming back because they know you are a slave to that child's whims and wants. Mommy, I want it. Daddy, I want it. I need it now. And they won't stop. The greatest salespeople on Earth are kids. Kids. I used to run a sales team years ago and I said, if you can badger your clients the way a two, three, four, five, six-year-old, seven-year-old badges their parent, you'll win. If you can just if you can just find a way to harness your your little tiny adolescent self when you wanted that new bike, that new video game, those new sneakers, that new whatever, and you were like, Mom, dad, please. I said, every time before you get on a phone or you get on a meeting with a client, think about your six-year-old self and how you would not take no for an answer, and you'll win more times than the other guy. And they would be like, whoa, June, it works. I'm like, I know, because I used to defeat myself from a- asking for those things sometimes before I even asked. I'd be like, no, I'm not going to do it. So these, so the, everyone knows. Why do you think they put the sugar cereals on the bottom shelf? Remember that old story back in the days? The sugar cereals are all on the bottom shelf at the supermarket to be within eye's reach of the children. And all the healthier cereals are way at the top for the parents to reach. So the kids are putting stuff in your cart, and by the time you get to the sh- checkout counter... You got sugar cereals and all types of snacks at the bottom, or the kid has badgered you so much that you just don't want to hear anything because you only have a day and a half off from your five, five plus days of work. You don't want to hear any more noise. You want quiet. So you're like, okay, fine. And now all of a sudden your kids are getting addicted to sugar and the the corporations have got your kids hooked on their product from early. From early. So the earlier you addict them to these color schemes and these tablets to placate them so you can get on the phones, so you can be on your own tablet. Because uh, how many parents are doing doofy, goofy videos on TikTok and everything else? The families are addicted to this technology. People wanting to be seen who haven't been seen before in their lives. They're saying, oh yeah, I want to be seen too. So it's, all, it's a new world for everyone. But it's affecting these, the, the, the future and these iGenners more adversely than it is their parents it goes on to say it talks about um cultivating healthy digital habits you know um really limiting the amount of time that you spend online as a parent as well um really really getting involved in strengthening those real world relationships okay and uh talking about um, Socrates and how Socrates bemoaned the invention of the stylus, and he said it was going to create forgetfulness in the learners and things like that. So it's saying, let's not be too alarmist about this technology, because every time a new technology comes along, it tends to disrupt uh, the the status quo. And I I read that, and I I highlighted it, and I said, okay, yeah, yeah, it would be the case if we if there weren't such things as social media anxiety, where you didn't where you didn't have billionaires sending their kids to seventeen thousand dollar low tech schools. You would think that a Silicon Valley engineer who's making three four hundred thousand per year, that's not including bonuses and stock options and, and dividends and things of that nature. We're talking about high earners, three four hundred a year, making great money, able to live in California comfortably. Um, and they're sending their kid to $17,000 a year schools. What are we talking about? You get what I mean? What What do they know that you as a parent or you as an uncle or you as a an aunt and you as a grandparent don't know? Hmm? What do they know? That's all I'm saying. Because they're spending over $200,000 for, for a kid just to get to college. That's just the school. 17 times 8. You know what guys want to do the math? 17,000 times 8 years from K through 8. That's 136 Gs. And that's not counting 24,000, 25,000 for the four years of the high school. So that's another 100 Gs. That's $236,000. That's a quarter of a million dollars that you've just spent on just tuition from a child from age um um 3, 4 years old, from age 4, 5 to age 8. 18, for 13, <laughs> for 12, 13 years, you've just spent a quarter of a million, and that's not counting the Stanford, the Yale, the Harvard, the Caltech, the MIT, the USC, the UCLA, the University of Chicago, the UNC, The we're not counting that, we're not counting that, right? Just so your child can be in a low-tech school, I would think that these kids had, goggles on all day and they're just studying in an alternate alternate universe on mars on an in another galaxy and their teachers aren't even born yet right that's why i think I, that's what i would assume silicon valley kids just walking around with with those little uh, uh virtual reality glasses on and headphones just yeah man i already learned that i just plugged it in the back of my head like neo and matrix one and now i know kung fu that's what you that's what you would think I would assume that, man, those kids are going to be light years ahead of, yeah, they're going to be light years ahead of your kid, but not because of technology, because they're not using technology. How ironic is that? Because they're not using technology, because they're taught, what have I been saying? Critical thinking. Maybe they're learning about Nietzsche and Kant and Foucault and Achebe and, and different political uh, philosophies and, and learning the arts more and learn. hey, there's certain schools now that don't even have grades. No, we don't grade the students. And these kids go on to Harvard, Yale, Oxford, Cambridge, Stanford, and we're going, oh, whoa, yeah, they don't have grades. I just tell them to submit something, but I don't grade it. Yeah, we don't have grades here. No, we don't have tests. Meanwhile, kids in in, in middle class communities and even upper middle class communities, their kids are getting tested out the wazoo. Oh, you got to pass the state test or the school loses funding. You got to pass the state test none of it has to do with thinking so while everyone's trying to get their kid to code and decode and code and get them more into computers more into this uh uh-uh. uh these kids are using this technology just as a tool not as a tool for them to be socially validated not as not as not as an impediment they're using it to their advantage not as an obstacle this is why this is important The reason why I'm going to circle back to the fact that we don't know our kids, we don't know what's going on with this iGen generation. We don't know what's going on with this Internet generation. So that's why you have adults sitting in rooms trying to convene boards of governors, having conferences and seances or whatever they think they're going to do. And like I said, I hope it's not some rubber stamp committee just looking to ban guns. Oh, yeah, we got to get the, the the AR-15 and the AR-9 and the carbines and the high magazine, high capacity magazines for 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 um, um, small firearms. We got to We got to get rid of those. What? No, no. Not when you don't know what's going on with these kids, not when you have suicides on the rise, isolation, loneliness. An inability to connect face to face in a three dimensional world. In a world that eventually you're going to have to talk to people. Eventually you're going to have to learn how to diffuse. Eventually you're going to have to know when you have to be the aggressor. And when it's time to possibly just acquiesce and just move on. How To to learn who you are as a person. Am I a peacekeeper? Or am I a rabble rouser? Who am I? Who am I in this world? You know how you're going to know that? You know how you're going to know that? By being out in this world. And the sooner these kids are exposed to that world, the better they are. Childhood is so limited. You only have your kids for a certain amount of time autonomously before the world gets hold of them. Don't give your kid to the world too soon. I mean, the digital world too soon. Don't give them up to the digital world too soon. That's all I'm saying. You have them at two years old, you have play dates, you get them in. I feel that a child should be in sports as early as possible. They should learn some sort of physical activity as early as possible. Martial arts, physical activity, soccer, whatever, non-impact if you're, if you're, that, if you're so inclined. But if maybe they're not physically active or fit, then chess, something. They like math, get them in math teams and math camps. They love to spell Get them in that. They love to sing. Try to get them in some little tiny, some little small art school. Maybe they don't want to do sports. Maybe they want to do dance in the arts. Get them in that thing early. Get them involved in collaborative situations in a three-dimensional space where they're engaging all their senses. All their senses. And then their imagination. Hey, we should do this. We should color that. We should do that. That's the most important thing. And I know it's difficult. Parents, like I said, you're working five days on and you only get two days off. You're exhausted. You're spending 50% of your day either preparing for work, commuting to work, working, or getting home from work. About half your day. And you're supposed to spend eight hours sleeping. You're supposed to spend about one-third of your 24-hour cycle knocked out sleep. And then you're spending 12 of that getting to and from work. What does that leave you with? Four hours to be a parent and to get food on the table and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Spoke about it. If we're really serious about this, we're going to have to rearrange our society and gear it towards this next generation that's supposed to be feeding and protecting us when we're old. Huh? I don't want these little dudes and dudettes to be out there in the streets scrambled. That's a reflection on the job that we did not do for them. We didn't protect them. This is the generation that's supposed to put into the 401ks and the social securities and this, that, and the third. This is the generation. We're not thinking dynastically people. We're not thinking generationally. We're thinking in trends and not traditions. Ooh, there's a new trend. Ooh, there's a new technology. Ooh, let's get it for me. Let's get it for my one-year-old. Your one-year-old barely has eyes yet. It barely can see in color schemes yet. And yet you have all of these colors and you're rerouting their neural pathways with all of this technology. But instead of rooting it in tradition, In the tradition that made you the kind of person that could focus in a library for hours or in a study hall for hours or at your desk in school for hours. You know what that tradition was? You didn't have as many distractions as your child has today. So all of the parents out there going, why can't you concentrate, little Billy or little Brandon or or Brianne? What's the problem? The problem is. Continuous, partial attention. They have divided attention. They're they're thinking about their phone, even when they're not by their phone, because you did that. That kid needs a flip phone. I've been saying this for years when I used to see little. I just got an iPhone a couple of years ago. All of my Android phones were disposable. I would go to one would break. I would go to Walmart, pick up another one, call up my my prepaid phone uh, uh provider and go, hey, I got a new phone, blah, blah, blah. That was it. New SIM card, that was it. I didn't care about my phone. My phone couldn't do a lot. Now, my phone has everything. It's an actual distraction for me because I'm an information junkie, but there's only so much information that I can use. So I find myself professionally perusing or 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 perpetually perusing through just thing bling wow that's interesting like send that to myself i need to get i need to look further into that i need to look further into that now i have a whole archive of things i need to look into that's probably 30 posts long but instead of getting to it i'm looking at new stuff as opposed to saying okay you know what there were some things that i'm interested in let me go look through and do a deep dive no one deep dives anymore. You get a couple of quick memes and then you start regurgitating them. And then then everyone's running around with quick meme quick meme uh uh uh, uh, uh rhetoric. And everyone's talking from from that. It's, I feel as if everyone is almost speaking in LOLs and LMAOs. You can't do that. Your child is the one. These kids are suffering. So when these kids turn killers, when these kids turn to mass become mass shooters, It happened way before the gun purchase. It happened during these times. And these parents know it. These Silicon Valley parents, these engineers of this world that we're living in right now, they know that. They know that. They're sending their kids to schools where there isn't this technology. They're setting up Wi-Fi out timing systems in their home where the Wi-Fi just goes. Bzz! You remember the last episode, one of the f- one of the most sought after consultants on on getting people to habitually pur- habitually purchase products, I think his name was Al. Last name was E-Y-A-L. He has a timer in his home connected to his Wi-Fi router that shuts off the Wi-Fi at certain times of the day. So now you got to go find something else to do. That's how far it, it's it's come. That's where we are right now because we're all addicted. We're all addicted and there are side effects to these addictions, This social validation, the likes, the comments, the shares, the this, that, and the third, the need to be seen, all of it. And it's affecting the most vulnerable of us, the youngest of us who are still learning what it is to be who they are. They don't know who they are yet. <clears throat> So they're in a world of social validation. I have a friend of mine who owns a restaurant. His daughter just got Facebook and Instagram. She's eighteen. She just got it. Like she just well, she's seventeen. She just got it. She was like, "Yeah, my dad finally let me get Instagram. It was cool." She didn't have a phone. She didn't have a smart. She doesn't have smartphone money. So where she's gonna get a smartphone? This technology, The adults in the room have brought Pandora's box home and said, yay, this is fun. I'm telling you right now that there's absolutely no child that should have a smartphone. And they they all should come with warning labels, like your salt, like your cigarettes, like everything else. They should come with a warning label for the children, for everyone. Could lead to addictive, could lead to this, could lead to a certain level of social isolation. As soon as you look at Instagram, you're looking at people doing more than you are immediately. Immediately. People, people are flying, people are traveling, people have jets and Rolls Royces. They're in Italy, they're in Africa, they're in, they're in safaris, they're in Caribbean waters. They're doing something you're not doing for, the, for most people. And you're like, man, Whew. I remember when I was traveling, I had friends of mine saying, I can't look at your post because it's depressing me. I'm like what? I'm wherever I was and I'm sending a picture out to friends and family and they're like, oh my God, it's depressing me. I need to do better. I'm like, that's not why I did this. But that was an unintended consequence of me just spreading what I thought was a little joy and a little information. That's what's going on with a lot of people now. Some people out there can be like, "Oh, well, that's just on them." I'm like, "Okay, I I understand that. As adults, yeah, that's on them. They got to work that out." But the kids were the ones who control what little people are, are looking at. That's us as parents. Remember what we spoke about you know when it, that old saying when there's a, behind every good man is a good woman well what about the bad men who's behind them they were born too they were f- breastfed too right they they were food clothed and sheltered by someone too so who's behind the bad people who's behind the bad actors who's behind the people that turn 18 and decide that 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 a mass shooting is 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 something that they want to do you know who, who Who's behind the kid that goes, hey, I'm going to have a murder-suicide on my birthday and tells a counselor or someone along those lines, an adult, crying for help. Who's behind them? We're behind them. So all the convening of committees and committee, yeah, yeah, yeah. We need to have a conversation about low-tech all of this, you know, the home from school and homeschooling, that sounds good. And I've been, I've been, I'm a big proponent of homeschooling. But it puts your kid in front of a, a screen, and and I'm okay with that for a couple of hours. I do not think that children need to be on a screen for more than three hours a day. I don't think so. But then the kid has to do their homework on that same screen. They have to do their projects on that same screen and things that I'm a big proponent of homeschooling only because I don't trust schools any longer to teach the children until we create a more village like atmosphere within the schools where parents can have more control over what their children are learning especially when these, these teachers go off the rails to try to teach their own version of identity politics, which is not their job, especially for the, for the, for the youth youth. You, you can't teach me about the ancient philosophers, but you want to teach about pronouns. And you're, and you're what? A math teacher. But you want to slip in your agenda and your innuendo in there. Stick to the times table. St- stick to the multiplication table. Okay? Relax. Okay? Things about gender and other things are an ongoing conversation. They're not immutable truths yet. So guess what? One plus one equals two. Let's stick to what we can prove, okay? Okay, let's stick to that. But, but you're having a harder time for that. You're having a hard enough time getting teachers to stick to scripts. And then teaching the liberal arts in the way th- that our ancestors learned the liberal arts, where you learned hardcore geometry by the age of seven, eight, nine, ten years old. You had philosophy, geometry. Your kids were getting their master's degrees by 20. PhDs were in there when they were in their early 20s. Now we've, we've, we've elongated schools. We don't need K through eight. <clears throat> it's a nonsense setup. It's a nonsense setup. It's all designed by a construct because we've decided to make the legal age 18. So we have the kids in school till 18. We had parents in, in work for a certain amount of time. So we've elongated the, 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 the length of the day for the student to match the, 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 the parents work day. And we're teaching kids how to work a 40 hour work week by having them in school so long every day. Kids don't need to be in school six, seven, eight hours a day. They don't. They don't need to be in school. They, don't need to, they do not need to be. The average school day should be about four hours long. Two, three classes a day, done. Some time for play, some time for another activity, then, another, and then some more time to really reflect on those two, three classes. That's all a kid needs for the day. Give them three classes a day, four classes a day. You give them their math, their philosophy, their English, their their geometry classes, have them put that together, and all of them can intertwine in different ways. There's an intersectionality between language and math and sciences. Have them all, come on, man. That's how we used to be taught. Not in this, but centuries ago, the learned. This new way of just this this, this elongated amount of time on the drivel and just creating classes. (sighs) Meanwhile, with there's no critical thinking you only learn critical thinking when there's a when there's a state test and then 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 even though you need critical thinking throughout your whole life to help you with everything from your personal life, professional life, political life, everything. You need to exercise a a bit of critical thinking with the real life decisions that you have to make so you don't end up scratching your head going, what the heck was I thinking when I did that? Yeah, well, you know, you lack the proper rules and and protocols and tools because You know, like I said before, we're in a trend-driven society, not a tradition-driven society. So we're not passing on traditions that we learned from our parents and our grandparents. When our parents had one television in the house or just two, you know, one in the living room, one in the bedroom. Now there's a TV in every room. I said something one time on Facebook and it got, I don't want to call it hot water. You know, a couple of people didn't like it, but just because people don't like it doesn't mean that I feel the heat from it. Because I don't, even though it's people I truly cared about. I put a post up and I said, if your children has more video games than books in their room, that's your fault, mom and dad. Because I knew a lot of single mothers that were overcompensating For not having the father around or maybe the relationship not working out with the father or whatever and now they're in a single parent household and I knew a lot of single moms who were overcompensating by getting their kids too many toys and not enough books and they they weren't being the disciplinarians necessary. They were always saying, well, I don't want the kid to feel like they're missing out because the dad's not around. I don't want the kid to feel like they're missing out. So I knew a lot of little dudes that were eight, nine, ten years old that had five hundred dollar game consoles and had every single hundred dollar game you can think of. But they didn't. But they were not doing well in school and they had the flattest screen in their room TV. They had the headset because they're talking to some other little kid that should be doing something else, too. Besides being on, uh, you know, playing video games and chatting and playing 2K and playing everything else and and Halo. You walk into this kid's room and you're like, yo, he's got the video game chair with the different controllers. Like June, I'm like, I got to strap into this controller. Be like, what are you working for NASA? Like, what is this? And this is what's going on. And I remember when I put that out there, a couple of parents were like, well, and I when I saw the responses, I was like, Well, you know, sometimes you know you gotta give the kid what they I'm like, you don't give the kid what they want. That's not your job. Your job is to give the child what they need, first and foremost. That's your job. Your job is to provide them what they need. And what they need is to be armed with the best possible practices when they become adults. For just in case mom and dad are not around to protect and provide and think for them and help them out, they'll, they'll have the requisite skills. That's your job, create some childhood, but yet arm them with what responsibility and prioritizing and focus looks and feels like. And having 50 video games and no encyclopedias and no books in your room, but you got every game and every CD and every DVD Hmm. Your laptop is off. Your tablet is going off. The fan, the air conditioning is on big TV, big console, big video game chair. What's going on? Your first world consumer. Just burning fossil fuels, just cold, just going, ha, ah! just cold. You know how much coal you got to burn to keep this little entertained? Like we've, we've spoken about that. It's time for us to revisit, completely revamp, and rearrange parenting and the time that parents have for parenting in the 21st century. Right now, that's the bottom line. That's the. I think I've made a case for it. I think I've made a case for the fact that you're banning on the banning on guns and this that and the third. It doesn't even begin. You shouldn't even. Let me tell you, gun control shouldn't even be part of the mass shooter conversation. When it, especially when, it's, when we're considering these, most of these are, are, are coming from the iGen generation, a generation that was born plugged into these devices. So we need to have more of a conversation about how we are raising these babies and how much time these parents have to raise these babies in the 21st century and what are these babies exposed to. I'm calling them babies. I'm a couple of years older than them, but I feel like I'm more advanced than them in many, many ways. Analogically, maybe not digitally. Digitally, they can show me how to make all kinds of money and things like that. They can be like, hey, June, you need to do this. You need to do that. All of them are tech gurus. And I hate that word, tech guru together. It's an oxymoron. We're going to talk about that in another episode. How, why are tech gurus, your, why are tech people your heroes? We're going to, sort of a segue. I'm not being anti-tech. I'm just saying there's a time and a place for it and we've we've made it our everything sleeping with our phones right next to us. I've been guilty of that. Having a a headphone in listening to audio books and podcasts well into the night, waking up in the morning, switching ears, you know, before five, 6 a.m. before I have to get up, boom, switch ears to listen to a little bit more. Now I'm at the point now where I'm going to put my phone in another room. I'm going to set it for a regular ring because I have this customized ringtone for a regular old school phone kind of ring. And I may not even have it in the same room. And if I do, I'm going to have it away from my head, you know, just far from my body. These are the things that we're going to have to do now, people. My personal Instagram, I'm officially going to be deleting it soon, pictures, posts, and I'll only be using the, the social media for business purposes. If I have a product or a service or something like this is my platform, it's sort of a quote unquote product slash service and media, Then I'm, then I'm going to be promoting that. And only that. So I will be logging the time I'm online for this, for social media. I'm not looking at videos. I'm probably going to tell some of my friends from here on out. um, I'm going on a tech fast because I love funny videos as much as the next person. But I also realize how much time it's taking away from other things that I have to do, especially as an entrepreneur self-starter. I don't have the luxury of saying, oh, I put in my eight hours. That money's in the bank. Boom. I have to create money from out of nowhere. I have to make people believe like take this format. I have to make you believe that this show has the kind of value that that would compel someone to go, "You know what? I'm going to give June a couple of dollars for the show, man." He's mentioned that he wants to get a piece of equipment. Matter of fact, I'm going to start sending links to the equipment that I that I that I that I want to get and how much it actually costs. And I'm going to let you know, "Hey, he, this is what it's called and such and such." Just to let you peep, just to let people know that we're doing this for real. And then f- what the amount of work I have to do to make people believe that I'm credible for them to give me money directly, not that I'm representing such and such corporation or I work for this one. No, I work for me. So I can't spend as much time as I do. Even though you have things on your mind, there are things that are depressing you. There are things that could be bothering you. And then I let the, um, I let the social media sort of wash over me sometimes That's what I do. And you go, okay, let me just look at this clip and look at this and look at that. Oh, that was inspirational. Let me save that. Oh, that was inspirational. Let me share that. Oh, that was enough is enough. Enough is enough. So this goes for each and every last one of us. I I want you guys to review everything that I've been saying over the last several episodes, especially as it pertains to um, um, this, the web the kids, the future, the banning, pro- pro- prohibition, how all of these things play a part. How parents, there's no kid, there's no eight, nine-year-old that should have an expensive phone. There's now called dumb technology. They have flip flip phones are back. They're, they're back for a reason. People are going back to low tech when a phone was just the phone. And I've been saying it. I'm going to turn... I have a an older iPhone model. I have an iPhone six S Plus. P- I know people out there that are techies are going, "Oh my God, you and your phone is ancient, really, ancient." That's how they have us screwed up, thinking that there's really a huge difference between the iPhone thirteen and my phone. Really, if if you're really using it to make phone calls and things of that nature, and just you know, a decent enough speed to stream videos, what are we talking about? Take a couple of pictures. What are we talking about? Yes, the new iPhone 13, I heard you can film a decent movie on there. But if you're not into film and stuff like that, what are, you, what are you just filming your chicken wings when you're watching the basketball game? And ooh, look, everybody, come on. If you're just a person that needs a phone to make a call, couple of calls out and download a couple of apps, how much do you really need? But for me, because I do certain businesses internationally, I need to have WhatsApps. I need to have all of these, these uh, communication devices in. Some of my friends, they use WhatsApp primarily. They live in Europe and in Africa. That's how they get in contact, Europe, Africa, Canada, and Asia. That's how they get in contact with me. Other people like to use another kind of messenger. Some people like Zoom. So I have to have a phone that can do that. Does it have to be my, my only phone? Does it have to be a phone that I'm carrying in my pocket next to my genitals and all my, my, my nether regions? No. Sending all types of sound waves and stuff through my body and all that radiation? Possibly not. A little regular flip phone, okay? How many people? How many people's phones really ring like that? If you're not doing real business, there are people I know that their fo- phone rings constantly, and it's it's money on that line, and they have to answer it. And some people, their phone rarely rings. So you might as well just get yourself a regular old just. You got a tablet computer, which I always I always tell people I like to get a. T- a touchscreen laptop. I like touchscreen laptops. Get yourself a touchscreen laptop that maybe mirrors as a tablet. Mine does. It folds all the way back into a tablet. I like that. So I get to do two things. I get to read things, chill, whatever. And get yourself a regular phone. You just have a regular phone if you're not doing real business transactions and things like that. It's time for us to just say, thanks, social media. It was fun. We've we've had a solid 12, 15-year run of the <clears throat> the MySpace Facebook, Instagram era and all of that started around what was that, oh five, oh six? And now it's like, okay, okay, I was down with my space down with all now it's time maybe to say, okay, thanks. Thanks. Appreciate it. It was it was it was fun. And now we're gonna move on. You know? And uh just like the Truman show. When that show was cut off at the end, Jim Carrey said, Well, goodbye, and then everybody decided to start doing other things. You know? they they unplug themselves and so maybe we need to start thinking about maybe a serious just unplug because you see the numbers the numbers are stark see where it's see where it's heading see what see what's going on with the children see where they're headed in any case until we speak again